It's my custom, uh, before I pray, for us all to recite 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. So if you'll recite it with me, I'll do a line at a time and you can repeat it, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25 reads this way. All flesh is like grass. And all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Heavenly Father, as we approach your word, we do so with reverence and awe. We don't come in a cavalier fashion, Father. We come like the spirit of the table, with great sobriety, but also great joy. And so, Lord, as we approach your word this morning, as we hear from you, the very words from the throne of God to his people, <clears throat> nourish us, stir us, encourage us, light a fire in us, press us, discipline us, love us, shower us, fill us, that in every way we can be a model of what it means to be an image bearer and change because the Word of God has the power to change us. So, Lord, we submit to its authority, born by the Spirit, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I am sharing a, the end of a series that I've done in Troy with you today. One of the questions that I've received uh, over and over from people, even around the world, is, uh, Steve, how should I pray during this crisis? How, what should I do to pray? You know, I, I feel like I just don't know what, what to say sometimes or what to do. So I embarked on a series out in Troy on prayer, but especially relative to what's going on now and teaching people how to pray. And one thing that I caution God's people is don't think you have to do something extraordinary now. God hasn't changed. He's not up there biting his nails. And, oh, I need my people to say something. I, you know, just... You continue to be yourself. You know, the, the, everything's driving us to try to be something that we're not, and it's, it just doesn't fit. Uh, so at, the first thing you do is just relax and don't be under pressure to come up with something extraordinary. But also use this time to strengthen your prayer life. You know, sometimes when things come on us, either individually or corporately, like this COVID and everything else that's going on, I believe it's a signal from the Lord to help us to discipline our own lives and to get things in order again. Let's face it, a lot of things have changed in terms of priorities. A lot of things have changed in terms of uh, how we conduct even everyday business. But it's a perfect time for God's people to examine and say, you know, how's my prayer life? What am I doing? You know, what a tremendous time to enlarge in that and to grow in that and to experience that on a new level. So uh, in my teachings, this is the very last installment, uh, sort of the finale as it were, but I took the church in Troy through how to pray according to the Lord's Prayer. The Lord gave us a model how to pray. And so you don't need to guess. You know, one thing we have to be careful of, is, you know, uh, years ago before I realized, you know, my commitment to the Word of God is you start praying and it's just sort of like existential, you know, you just start praying, right? And I find myself in the first five minutes becoming quite selfish. I'm into petition, 
and I've suddenly lost all the loftiness of God or the worship of God. I've lost all that. Now I'm asking, hey, I need some groceries and I need this. And boy, this bill's coming due. And wow, can you help me here? And it just gets so self-centered if you're not careful. Then I began to learn how to use the Word of God as a template to pray. And I found my prayer life so strengthened. Uh, nothing wrong with petitions, but you kind of sort of lose the, leave those at the end. <laughs> you first spend time in the presence of God, uh, acknowledging Him and worshiping Him and knowing Him, and then you can make your requests known with thanksgiving. So you're already in a heartbeat of thanksgiving. Now make your request now kind of thing. <clears throat> and so uh, I taught the church in Troy how to pray according to the Lord's Prayer. And we took every instance of the Lord's Prayer and we broke it down and showed how, uh, you know, I was trained as a jazz musician. So um, I rarely get through the entire Lord's Prayer if I choose that as my template. You know, I'll, I'll say, um, Our Father which art in heaven... And then I'll begin to springboard off that and just talk about my father and how much I love him and how much he cares for me and how great he is. And sometimes 20 minutes are gone. And, uh, oh, yeah, and by the way, I need some bills that need to be paid, you know, kind of thing. So it's not a, it's not a rigid formula. To, I have to get through this. It, it's a template. And the Holy Spirit can guide you and lead you as you pray. You might get hung up on one thing. Uh, I can't hardly get past, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, that launches me into outer space. And then I, I think, wow, am I ever going to get through the Lord's Prayer? But I used the Lord's Prayer as a template to pray. Second thing I used that I taught the church was how to pray according to the Ten Commandments. We don't often think of the Ten Commandments as something that you want to pray but it's a, a beautiful, again, template uh, when you use the Ten Commandments. And I'm sorry, I don't even know if these are recorded even. I don't even know. But uh, <clears throat> at the same time, sometimes I'll use the Ten Commandments when I pray. And again, I might not get past number one or number five. Or it doesn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, again, you have to go through it. Whew, I made it through the Ten Commandments. No, use it as a way to pray. And what I taught the church is that you break down the Ten Commandments into four parts. And we're going to, that's important because the thing I'm going to teach you today is in four, in, well, actually in three parts. I made it three, but four parts. What does the Ten Commandments instruct me to do? What's its instruction? Number two, what do I give thanks for in the Ten Commandments? You know, honor thy father and mother, mother number five. You give thanks for God creating you, for, for putting the elements in your parents that caused you to be born into the world. I mean, again, you could go 20 minutes and you can honor your mother and father even if they're dead. It doesn't just go away. You can still honor your mother and father before the Lord. Everybody with me? Okay. <coughs> well, you don't know my father. He was a drunk and he... Whoa, 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 it doesn't say, don't do it if your father was a drunk. You should forgive your father and still honor him. Don't make the same mistake that Noah's sons made when he fell into sin. Uh, I think it was Ham that made that mistake. He exposed his father. Anyway, that's, that's part of the teaching. Um, so you bring it. What does, the, what does it teach me? 
What do I give thanks for? That's number two. Number three, what do I confess? How do I break this commandment every day virtually? Because we sin against the Lord every day in thought, word, and deed. Whoa, wait a minute, I don't sin. Well, then you're a liar. That's what First John says. He who says he has no sin is a liar. So let's get over that quickly. And don't feel condemnation for that. But you want to keep your walk with God pure and moving. And you don't want anything clogging it up. So you deal quickly with sin and get it away. And, you know, don't bemoan it and sit there and grovel. Apply the word of God to it and keep moving. But do acknowledge your sin. Uh, like, I'm, you know, uh, let's just pick one. Well, I'm not going to, I can't think of anything right now. But in any case, you confess your sin. You take some time to do that on the Ten Commandments. Then the last thing you do is you pray. How do I pray according to that commandment? Now, that's not the scope of this teaching here. So I'll move on to the last one that I taught, uh, which is this one. <clears throat> excuse me, that we're going to do today. That is praying with the Apostles' Creed. So I pray with a number of things. And uh, I can't tell you how it's enriched my prayer life to use the Word of God as a springboard off into how I converse with the Almighty. It's been a, a wonderful experience for me. And I find myself continuing to grow in it. So... Um, I'll use some of the other creeds as well, but the Apostles' Creed is a very good one. And that, I finished the series off because I could make it go into 2022 quite easily. But uh, I decided just to stop. They have enough uh, understanding now, if they'd like to use it, to enrich their own prayer lives. And to escape the cycle of just throwing up a prayer in the car on the way to work. Or If you take the time to do these things from the Word of God you'd be amazed how it stills your soul and how it focuses your attention on the eternal. It's a wonderful, I thank God for it every day that he's given us his word to do that. So the Apostles' Creed, uh, do we have it, Stephen? Can you put it up for me? We'll keep the Apostles' Creed up. That's a piece of it, right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to read it through real quickly here. Maybe we can read it through together. You, will you have the second half quickly? Okay, let's read it through together out loud as a confession, and then I'll break it down to show you how I pray according to the Apostles' Creed. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and died and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he came to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now the Apostles' Creed has a bit of a nebulous origin. Nobody's really quite sure how it formulated. The, the, the uh, legend is that all 12 apostles had something to do with the Apostles' Creed. That's why it's called the Apostles' Creed. That they all 12 had some input into it. That's the legend. Uh, it began to be 
a regular part of the church and a, a creed, as it were, probably in the late 4th century, uh, 300s, when it began showing up in the writings of Irenaeus, Tertullian, Novatian, Ambrose, Augustine, and Eusebius Gallius. They used it in all their writings and all their preachings, and then it became like a bedrock in the church after that. So that's how the Apostles' Creed <clears throat> came to us. What it is, why they recited it then and why we recite it now, it's the earliest form of the Trinity in the church. Remember, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. And so they were trying through the centuries to understand who is God the Son and who's this guy that came in Acts 2. They didn't say Acts 2, but who's this guy? That, what, well, who are these people? And they began to formulate uh, three persons and one God, and all the creeds reflect that developing theology. So the Apostles' Creed is the most rudimentary of those confessions. It's about the Trinity, but even a step further, the other creeds uh, are focused on the divinity of Jesus, the deity of Jesus, the deity of the Holy Spirit, uh, the complete humanity of Jesus, things of that nature. The Apostles' Creed doesn't touch any of that. It doesn't touch the divinity of the Spirit. doesn't touch the divinity of the Son. It's just a statement. And it's more of an economic statement. That's a little bit of an awkward term. But it's called the economic trinity. In other words, what do they do? How are the trinity interrelated to bring us salvation? What is their plan? What roles did they all have? And so it's broken down in three sections, the Apostles' Creed. The first section is God the Father, of course, at the very beginning. Uh, if you put, the, there we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I think some forms say maker of all things. I'm not sure. In any case, it tells us there that God the Father Almighty, the headship of the sweet communion <clears throat> in heaven, is the creator of heaven and earth. It celebrates creation. Then the second article of the Apostles' Creed starts with, I believe in Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, and ends with, for, those he, for there he came, from there he came to judge the living and the dead. That article is called Redemption. The Son provided redemption. See that? Then, of course, the third section begins with the third person of the Trinity. I believe in the Holy Spirit, and on it goes. And it, it tells us what God has supplied us for our sanctification. So not only are we saved, but God has also brought out all the means for us to achieve full image bearing, to achieve full uh, salvation. Uh, what we experience through Christ in new birth is only a beginning. You then are set on a journey of being sanctified and Christ being formed in you and growing into the image of God until the salvation of your body. So there's a lot of things we won't get this side of Resurrection Day, which is why it's in the Creed. And don't confuse those two things. It'll drive you crazy. Well, why wasn't he healed? Because we're only tasting of the powers of the age to come. It's not in fullness yet. But when the fullness come, oh, what a glorious day, as the song goes. Let's look at the first article. God the Father 
and creation, the first article. Of course, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I, I reduced it to three strands for the pr practice of praying. I cut out confession only because it's a little bit artificial uh, to put confession in there. Confession's a good place. It's got a good place in the Ten Commandments. But it's a little artificial when you try to put it in the creed. So I've eliminated it. Three strands. First of all, what's the instruction of this article? And I wrote down, God is the creator. I'm the creature. Let's always keep that relationship straight. Whenever the creature ascends and thinks he can lecture God, he's already lost his place and uh, he won't get anything from the Lord. It tells me who he is, who I am, and where all things come from. God is the source of all things. That's how it instructs us. What do I give thanks for on this article? I give thanks knowing God as creator is, you, you have to pardon me, I got a little poetic here, is the soul's garden of delight. Knowing God as the creator and sustainer of all things brings me a solace and a peace that the world knows nothing of. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He created all things for a purpose of glorifying himself, and therefore I can rest. It's not my job to figure out what everything does. It's my job to worship and to thank and to trust the creator. I give thanks how kind God is to create me and to know him. He created me to know him and to glorify him. He's given me, he's given me back my created purpose. Every human was created to know God and to glorify him. The abuse of that causes a life of destruction and chaos when you just worship yourself or something else. Commandment number one. Because we were designed to worship God and to glorify him. That's the Christian's true joy. Your true joy isn't in bowling or a golf score or in vacation or pontoon boats or anything else. Those are fun things to do. I'm not discrediting that. But I'm saying that's not what your joy is. Your joy is knowing God, enjoying him, and glorifying him forever. That's the chief end of man. You will find if you want to return your life, if you're not happy, if you, you find joy a struggle, don't pray for a bag of joy just to drop out of heaven. And don't pray for somebody's hand to just go on your head. Realign your life to only glorify God. Make it your, your solemn oath every morning to glorify God and see what happens. Because you're living your created purpose and nothing is more satisfying for the human than living their created purpose. And what do I pray in the first article? I pray, thank you, Lord, for creating me giving me lungs to breathe, a heart to pump, and supply my being. I give thanks that 90 years ago, insulin was invented or I wouldn't be here. See, I'll spring off, and this is where I begin to pray. You've given me a heart to pump and supply my being, a mouth to taste, swallow, and benefit from all your bounty, eyes to see, hands to hold, legs to stand upright. You just take off. You with me? He's God the creator. And if you apportion 20 minutes for a prayer time or whatever it might be, it could be just that. But we're going to try to get through the whole creed if we can. 
The second article is God the Son and Redemption. We're not going to time, take time to read it all there because we already quoted it together. <coughs> Excuse me, but what's the instruction in the creed there? Three points, again. Instruction, what do I thank God for and what do I pray? Instruction, every human needs a Savior. I turn the words of the creed around to say, Jesus Christ, my Lord, suffered for me, died for me, rose for me. I needed, God provided. That gives me a strong basis for faith that God will supply all my other needs. He knows I needed a Savior, and he provided. And again, you can see perhaps where you might get lost in prayer even on the instruction as you reflect on uh, what God did through, to us through Christ. I'm restraining myself because you can go crazy on these things and I'm trying to stay <laughs> controlled here. Now, when we get to the thanks part, while I was preparing this just to show you what happens to me, is uh, while we're preparing this, a hymn came to my mind from Isaac Watts, 1707. It's the hymn, Jerry, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And so I, I found the words, because I don't know all the words to hymns like Jerry, but I found the words, and I just started singing. You know what happened? A half an hour went by. Your soul is, is, is you don't need a rapture from 1 Thessalonians 4. Your soul finds rapture in the throne room of God. This is the escape for the, you don't need drugs or pills or, you don't need other things. When you're, the, when you're before the Lord worshiping him, there is such a, a release of joy and of faith. Uh, sometimes you don't even want to leave that presence sometimes. Rediscover it, friend. Try, stop trying to find it in trivial, shiny objects. They go away. People die. Things leave, don't they? Things change drastic and Look, look what's happened to us in this in sheer four-month period of time. So fragile we are, are we not? There's a place where we know permanence. There's a place where we know eternity. We've been given this connection with a, another world. Take advantage of it through prayer. Uh, the words, real quick, I'm not, I'm not going to sing it to you because it won't come out good. Uh, but the words go like this. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My riches gain I count but loss, and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? or thones compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine that were a present far too small? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And so, how I pray. Help me, Jesus, to always cling to the cross, to not submit to pride, but in union with you, see myself as crucified, dead to human passions, dead to sin, dead to the world, dead to selfish ambition, dead to Satan, dead to promotion of self, alive to live 
Sola Dea Gloria, for your glory alone. I just wrote down a snippet of what I would perhaps pray. Before I leave that section on redemption, uh, I love hymns. I don't know. You know, I grew up in a church where we sang them in Italian, so I know all the tunes, but I don't know the words. Uh, and sometimes the Italian words would come to me, and then I have to look them up because I don't know what they mean. But uh, I've, I've grown to love the hymns. I, I just feel, I don't know if it's just that I'm getting older or what's, what's going on, but um, I don't know. There's, there's a heaviness, there's a weight, there's a gravitas to the hymns that lifts me into another place in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, when I sing of the glories of God. They're basically theology, you know. That was the way of teaching the church theology because some of them didn't even have a grade school education. Here's from another. Oh, now I have to bend over. That's negative. Here's from another hymn. Just a, a snippet. These little things come to my mind. Uh, this was written in 1739. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her. And for her life, he died. Whew. I'll tell you what. A few minutes of that, and you don't need wine. You don't need alcoholic beverage. You don't need pills. You're in a state of euphoria. That's hard to describe because it's the mingling of human and divine. But it's nevertheless so real. And then finally... <clears throat> Got my notes all jumbled up here. Please excuse me. The third article, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, and sanctification. And you can read those parts now. Can we have that, the Holy Spirit, up, please? I believe in the Holy Spirit. There it is. What are these? The instruction, what does an instruction? Not only did God create me and redeem me, he also provided all my spiritual journey to full image bearer. All these are the ingredients of sanctification. All these he's given to us that we wouldn't just be saved and talk about that for the next 50 years, but we would go forward in, the, in God's plan and grow into maturity and take responsibility in God's plan at etc., etc. But what does it instruct me? Not only did God create me, not only did God redeem me, he also provided all for my spiritual journey to full sonship. Glory to God. What did he give? The Holy Spirit, the church, which is basically true bread. I was reflecting, we're going to have the table in a moment, I was just reflecting on the table, thinking, uh, isn't God wonderful? He, he's the God of more than enough. He gives us two doses in assembly of bread and of wine, not just one. Through the preacher, he gives you true bread and true drink, word and spirit. Through the table, he gives you the same thing. It's like a double dose. It's like a double dip. And so you can leave here quasi-intoxicated because you've nourished yourselves on things that the world knows nothing of. You're all staring at me. I can, I can, I can at least see your eyes through the mask. And I, I know what those eyes mean. Never mind. 
God the Holy Spirit in sanctification, what does it instruct me? He's given uh, the communion of saints, worship and prayer and iron sharpening iron. He's given us forgiveness of sins, the table, until I experience full union with Christ as my body is transformed to be immortal like his. He's given us, <coughs> excuse me, the full reality. And again, please forgive, not forgive me. I guess that I don't know what to say, but as I'm preparing this, I'm, it's like I'm praying. And so something jumps in my mind and I'll turn to it and read it. Which you all know pretty familiar. One of the downturns of diabetes is dry fingers. I can't turn pages. But I think of the full reality of Psalm 23. Now we read it at funerals and we read it and you all know it's the most popular one there is. But help, read this with me with a view toward God taking us into the fullness of this experience. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Consider this as a, a fullness picture. He makes me, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Are you aware that there's a meal that's coming for us? That table represents a little appetizer of a meal. Are you ready for this? Prepared by God himself. And I don't even think it's kosher because he's beyond that now. I don't know. As, as an Italian Christian, I'm pretty much looking forward to that meal. I mean, that propels me forward. Hey, there's going to be food. Yes, Lord, I'll obey. This is good. <laughs> but that table is going to represent a celebration. It might go on for 10,000 years. Remember, time is no more. Imagine not having to get up from the table. Isn't that terrific? And I hope the angels do the cleaning up because I don't want to wash anything. <clears throat> I'm thinking about it a lot. Or I've stopped, didn't I? You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. How about for eternity this happening? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of the life of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where there will be nothing but shalom. Nothing. No ambulances, no COVIDs, no masks. There will be baseball, though. Not the way they're playing it now, but real baseball. <laughs> and finally, what do I give thanks for in this article? Thank you for choosing me. Thanks and prayers. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and change me. Thank you for your church, God's people. And here, I'll pause and I'll pray for the Lord's church. I'll pray for the leaders. I'll pray for people that I know and don't know. I'll pray and ask for God to steer and to guide and to give wisdom for his people. Then I'll end with a prayer for all the world to eventually be God's temple. I can't, like Paul the apostle, when you read Paul, he's going on saying now, 
get your sins forgiven, obey your mom and dad, and, and then suddenly, wham, he's, he, he's blessed us with every blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that we might know him and you're seated at his right hand and, oh, children, obey your parents. You'll find this in prayer that you'll be going along and suddenly it's like you get launched. And for a moment, you're there. You know what that is? That's hope. That's what we're going for. We're not going for more people in the pews, uh, more cash in the drawer. We're going for the shalom coming to the whole world. That's the goal, that the whole earth would be filled with the Lord's glory. So, in our study on prayer, we, we, we covered the Apostles' Creed today. Um, I didn't even touch in this series praying according to the Psalms. That'll take me two years. But I also use the Psalms. Uh, I'll read a psalm, and sometimes I don't go past the third line. Use the word of God, my friends, to pray. And then Second Chronicles might be a reality for us, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land.